Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the CL Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is none other than Christian Roldan, the uh, the ever-present midfielder of the Seattle Sounders. We haven't talked to you in a long time, Christian. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, obviously, I uh, wish we could be talking in different circumstances, but uh, for now, it's good to see you, right? And uh, hopefully everybody's doing well and staying safe right now. Yeah, so I, I have to tell the listeners at home, since they're not going to be able to see this, you are wearing a JMO Foundation hat, special for this interview. I can't imagine that's an accident. No, I'll be honest, it was an accident. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like this hat. And, and Jordan, Jordan was really kind enough to, to give me one. And, um, you know, I got to represent my, my boy, but, uh, he's doing really good things with his foundation. And, um, it's just, it's just a really comfortable hat. I got, I got to be honest with you. Okay. Well, that's that, that actually works as a really good transition into, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I, I talked about this publicly, but there was a funny little thing that happened last year around this time. Uh, you set up Jordan for a goal, I believe it was. And I tweeted out something like, this is the first time that you two had ever combined for a goal, like despite your well-documented friendship and everything. And this was against the Timbers. So I, I think it was you setting him up. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the other way. Maybe he set you up. He set me up for that he one. He set you up. Okay. There you go. That's even better. So I, and then, and you, after the game, this is what you guys beat the Timbers, I believe in this game, right? It was the, uh, yeah, it was the, uh, it was the Iron Front Silence game. Yeah. And after the game, while I was still at the stadium in Portland, you DM'd me and said, actually, I did set him up in his rookie year. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that play. I remember both. You know, I remember sending you a DM. Um, I remember setting up Jordan. He did actually a lot of the work um, in that goal. But uh, it was really funny because I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure. But you know what? I'm just going to hit him up just in case. Yeah. Uh, and and it worked out. Yeah. And sure enough, I, I went back and I found it. And it wasn't like a classic setup in my defense, but you did get the assist. You got the primary assist on it, I believe. And, uh, and I found the video and sure enough. So I corrected it, corrected the record, made sure people knew that, that you had combined. But the, the reason I bring it up is because this year you've set them up four times. Yeah. That's, and that's actually second in the league in terms of the be- most, the most uh, prolific combo of goal to assist player in the whole league is you setting up Jordan Morris four times. That's that. So I, I, I was in your head. I think I got you going for that. Cause you said, I got to do it more. We got to do this more often after that one. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, and I remember also telling Jordan, um, I think after the San Jose game, 
that we that we beat them seven one. I I told Jordan I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start. Or actually, it was the LA Galaxy game where I where I scored two goals, and I'm like, you know what? After this game, I'm gonna start uh, giving people coffees for getting me assists, right? Or yeah. vice versa. And then Jordan sent me up, I think for, or I actually, I set him up twice uh, right after that. And, he, and so he brought me back two coffees and he's like, <laughs> you did this on purpose, huh? <laughs> like you, you're setting me up on purpose because he's like, you only look for me. And yeah. I'm like, well, you know, the right midfield to left midfield or vice versa is very like goals happen like that quite often just mm. just because you're in the right place at the right time yeah and like in the galaxy game he had he hit you with that that ball at the back post where you come sliding in great game for you then you of course you had the the other goal in that game on the wonderful over the top ball from Joao Paulo so it's been uh prolific for you guys and I think you also you also set him up I think twice in the opening game of the season but one of them was called offside yeah, actually, that would have been my third assist in that game. Um, yeah, I hit, I set up him twice in that game with the header, and then the volley across the goal, and he That's scored right. two goals. And then that third one, he would have set me up for that goal. Actually, oh, okay, yeah. okay. I knew there was another combo where you guys were in that game, but anyway, it's been it. You know, it's been a funny year for you. You've moved around so much. Again, I know this has become kind of a tiring thing for you to have to move around but you're on the field all the time you're it seems like you've started to settle in at least as an attacking piece um do you feel more comfortable in that spot even i know more recently you've been moved back again but do you have a preferred position at this point yeah i mean center mid i think is my preferred position um just growing up playing that position that's the position i feel more most comfortable with uh but you know, I can be dangerous and effective in the attack and in my opinion. And I think I was seeing that towards the end of the season. And, you know, there were times where I needed to be way more selfish and I was really unselfish at times um, and possibly, you know, not scoring one or two more goals uh, this year, but you know, that comes with time, right? If, if, uh, if, you go back to the beginning of the year. I kind of started as a 10 with Nico being out a little bit. I kind of played as a D mid and even on the right. So it's been a weird year. Um, but I think as the, as the season went on, I felt way more comfortable in either positions. Mm -hmm. And I felt at my, I felt better, you know, physically and mentally and sharper, um, towards the the later part of the year and, and hopefully it carries on to to the playoffs so one of the exciting things that we've seen is is you paired with Joe Paulo as a I don't know almost like two eights sometimes it seems like you guys will maybe because I wouldn't say two sixes that's for sure because you don't play like two sixes but you both seem to kind of trade off and and build off of each other how does playing with someone like Joe Paulo differ from you know an Aussie Alonso who you know, might be the best D mid the league has ever had. Yeah. I'd say Jal has a lot of um, movement right off the ball. And he at times will, will drift forward, drift out wide. So I have to fill in the gaps a lot. Like when I was playing with Nico in the playoffs, um, I had to fill the role where, where, where he's not right. So if Jal goes out wide, there are times where we play 
you know, with a center mid and a left back or right back spot, I end up in the middle and I have to keep that foundation strong because if, if I start drifting, there's no one in the middle. Um, and when Jal, Jal has a really good understanding of, of my tendencies as well, and making late runs into the box or late runs into the prime assist zones, Jal has to be disciplined enough to, to stay put and, and stop the counter. But I think we're very similar players in, in the sense that we read the game the same way. Uh, I think his passing is so good. Um, and, and maybe my vertical running is a little bit better than him. But uh, I think we complement each other really well. And it's just about finding that right balance between being too attacking minded and, uh, you know, too defensive minded and, and having that one player to, to stay, whether it's me or him, uh, to stay put. You know, one of the things that last year Brian would oftentimes talk about was the, the you guys would sometimes struggle to control the tempo was one of the things that, that he would say. And I kind of got the sense that you maybe took that on you a little bit. Like you, you alluded to that a few times that, that you took some responsibility for being responsible for the, the tempo of the game and being better at controlling the game. And I'm just wondering how a player like Zhao Paulo impacts your ability to do that exact thing, to control the tempo and to, you know, make sure the game is being played at the pace that you guys want. Yeah. Well, a, a player like Jao can, can find the right pass um, in behind uh, as well as into the pocket, as well as dribble out of pressure. And if, if you have that combination where a guy, you know, is not going to lose the ball from the midfield, from the, from the middle uh, part of the field, where he can turn anyway and be able to play any pass at any time, you're more inclined to play him the ball and and stay in, stay in the right pockets, right? Stay in the right um, uh, you know areas of the field, and by doing so, we stretch the field so much more, and we're able to dictate a little bit more tempo. Um, and and then obviously. Dictating tempo could be playing extremely fast and direct. And Jao, just like that that pass that he gave to me against Galaxy, was an example of, of, hey, we just kicked the ball long. We won the second ball. We're dictating tempo because there is space in behind and the line is rather high. And Jao's going to play this right pass. And we're still dictating tempo because now we're in behind. We have a chance on goal and we can move our lineup. So Jao does so I could talk about Jao all all day. Uh, he he's one of my favorite uh, guys to play with, and um, you know we're we're very lucky to have him. How has it impacted? Like, what have you learned, or how has that impacted the way you play? And did you feel like you needed to do a better job of that before? Yeah, I mean, I I always felt like I left that to Aussie um, dictating tempo, and then when when Gustav came over um, and and filled that role. Uh, Gustav is is a very disciplined, um, you know, more of a counterattacking player, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was a bit of a shift where, you know, maybe I should have done a better job of, of you know, staying uh, closer to the middle, more connected and try to do a better job of, of, of playing um, with the ball uh, and, and keeping possession. But now... I felt like with Gustav last year, especially, we started dictating tempo off the ball. And it was more, you know, p- playing in a lower block, making sure that we don't give up any chances. 
Uh, and now, so we're, we're seeing a, a little bit of a different uh, look than last year uh, with Jao in, in the game. But uh, certainly when, when I go into the middle, um, the balance switches. Um, but, you know, I was playing a, a, on the right a lot last year as well as this year. Um, so it, it, it changes. We have ebbs and flows. And, and that's just the beauty of soccer. Yeah. Uh, along those same lines, uh, Jordan has really come into his own. I know we, we've talked a lot about how his evolution kind of from a seemingly, I always think it was overstated how one dimensional he was, but there was this perception that he was kind of a one dimensional player and that he was really only a player that was dangerous in transition, but we've seen him evolve into a complete player really like dramatically over the last, you know, uh, 18 months or so. And he, you know, he, he's so dangerous coming on, on off the, off the left. But what what have you seen from him? I mean, what 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 kind of changes do you think you've seen, and and how does that impact you know how far he can kind of go in terms of like playing at the national team level and and you know playing elsewhere? Yeah, I go I go back to uh, that Portland game, uh, the Iron Front game that we had, where he had essentially two assists in that game, and he tore the left side. Um, he, he just, he did it so well. And I think that was kind of that, that shift from, Hey, we're not going to play you on the right anymore. We're not going to play you up top. This is your position. And so number one, solidifying that position helped him grow tremendously. Um, just getting comfortable with it, knowing that he's going to play there each and every game was so important. Uh, secondly, I think, uh, being part of the national team with Greg has helped him uh, change his game because now he's running uh, before uh, the ball gets there prior. I think it was more reactive. And so Jordan gets there with his speed. Obviously he, he generates so much yards um, by, by running a little bit earlier um, that he, he has scored many goals because of that. Um, and then obviously his ACL and just his killer mentality. I think um, having to go through that, adversity has has really shaped him as a player now um he embraces that grind and um just just enjoys every moment moment being on the field but i would say that shift from from shift of position to being part of the national team uh and 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 not playing as reactive um as he as he once was so you've also kind of come into your own you you've been a pretty regular call up to the U.S. national team. What are those camps like? You know, it, it seems like it's a pretty exciting time to be involved in, in the program. You know, we saw what just happened with the, the European-based players, and and I would imagine you see that stuff and can't wait to get into camp with those guys. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously we have guys that are playing for, for really good teams uh, these days, and um, when we go into camp, it's, it's just as much as competition um, – than you know being friends and and you know trying to make each other better but competition is everything you you create so much uh you create you, you make the team so much better by by competing in, in practice and so that's the exciting part and and also the information that is given uh it's clear instructions uh we are told exactly what to do um if 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 we don't uh do it on the field we'll be told and I, I think for me personally, uh, when we're playing against better teams, 
you may need that a little bit more. And so I think that preparation helps a, 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 a ton, uh, much more than, um, you know, just going over there and, and enjoying the moment and, and going through it. But embracing that grind, the practice uh, or the practices are very competitive and the information is very clear. So uh, we appreciate that. And um, for me, I play in the pocket a lot of the time uh, over there with the national team. And um, it's very demanding in terms of fitness and running. Uh, but I think the future is, is looking really bright. So when you first came into the national team, it was a bit unsettled. It was coming out of a pretty dark period. I think we could, we can say in terms of the mood around the team, how has, how have you seen that shift, uh, you know, in, in the, in the three years that you've really been involved? Well, I think, uh, a lot more younger, uh, number one, you know, the, the, the guys that are being called up now are, uh, 2021, 20, 22, um, as well as, you know, guys that have been there for a while, but, uh, there's a, there's a bit of energy, uh, with the, the change in, in coach and, and the, the new players playing at, at top, top tier, uh, clubs. So, um, this shift in energy has, has brought the competitiveness, uh, within practice, um, as well as, you know, I think that the team is closer than ever, um, because, you know, you, you, we created this environment, um, especially during January camp with, with all the MLS guys that, you know, you have to be bought in to this system or you probably won't be getting called up. And, you know, that's the reality of things. And, and so you, we saw this bond um, with, with players coming into camp and, and trying to understand it. So an example of this was I'm competing against, against Weston McKinney um, and I came off January camp. I understood the system. I could have easily told Weston to, to F off and, and, you know, and not, not help him through the process. Um, but the reality of things is if I'm able to compete with him and, and, you know, he understands the system better, we're going to be better off. Um, it's, it's not about individual stuff, uh, especially, um, you know, going into that type of environment. Still, it had to be a little surreal for you to go into January camp and be like one of the more experienced players. Like you don't have a ton, like you're, you're not inexperienced, but you don't exactly, you know, you don't have a hundred caps. You know, we, we're used to seeing national team camps where there's, you know, multiple guys with dozens and dozens of caps. And here you are, I, I think you have 19 caps and you're like third or fourth most experienced player on in that, in that camp. Oh, it was, it was strange. Uh, I'll tell you that much. It was really strange. And, and the matter, and, and the fact uh, of the matter is that I went in as a right winger uh, and I was, I was shocked more than anybody. Greg was like, you know, I, I think you can play as a right winger. I'm like, great. You know, I can play as a right winger as well, you know, no problem. And then he's like, he called me a week later and he said, Hey, by the way, we're bringing in Jonathan Lewis. You're going to play center mid. And I said, thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much because when I was able to play center mid and I played like as an eight, I was able to play as a, as a true eight. Right. And then end up as a 10 offensively. And so it it was, it was just really fun. It suited my position so well, my, my, my uh, attributes so well. And um, yeah, I was just really thankful that I got that call. So how, how would you compare someone like Greg to someone like Brian, who at least from a distance 
seem very different, but I don't, you know, I, you know, him a lot better than I do. Yeah. I'd say Greg is uh, very attention or sorry, uh, uh, specific in, in what he wants to see. Uh, coach, uh, coach Schmetz, you know, has a more laid back sense, right? He, he wants players to express themselves, to read the game. You know, you have a, 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 a older team, um, or a very experienced team is what I like to say, um, that have played with each other for a really long time. So I think Brian, a lot of time is, you know, giving examples of what he wants to see or what we, th what he thinks that we can do better. And, um, but a lot of time it's just, it's free flowing and, and we've been so good free flowing, um, with a bit of structure, uh, rather than Greg saying, Hey, we're going to put a lot of structure into this because uh, we think that, you know, we're going to be playing against the Brazils, you know, the South American teams, we, European teams. We want to, you know, make sure that we're able to compete against these guys as um, with, with all 11 guys on the field, you know, defending um, with, you know, rather than with Brian, you know, or, or Schmetz, we're able to, we're one of the better teams on the, on the field and we want to express themselves and dictate with, with the, the, you know, creative ways that, that we do. Yeah. And so what do you think people maybe don't appreciate about Brian? Like, I, I think Brian gets a reputation for being a nice guy, but that isn't, that doesn't explain why he's been as successful as he has. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people may say, yeah, we've, we've had good teams, you know, and the reality is, yeah, we've had good teams, but you need a good manager to, uh, to really manage your team, right? You need, you need someone that's going to keep everybody on the same page. And so a lot of coach Metzger's job is, is doing that. And, you know, maybe that's why he doesn't get enough credit uh, because he's really, you know, laid back, he lets the players do their thing. Um, and unfortunately he hasn't been up for like coach of the year. I don't think. Right. Or no, know. he, I mean, in fact, I, I was just, you know, I, I, I commented on this that, you know, he, they, they released like the whole, I, I mean, I'm sure there were some, there must've been some outstanding votes, but you know, they, they went like seven deep on people who received votes for coach of the year and, and Brian wasn't on there. Uh, but notably he has more MLS cups than any of the guys that, that were above him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's like a regular season thing where we always end up in second and not first. Right. So we'll just <laughs> automatically think, Hey, you know, we didn't have a good year because we didn't get first. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is it. That's a, that's you're, you're much more. Um, that's a much nicer way of explaining it potentially <laughs> than, uh, than I would put it. I, I, I just don't think Brian gets, the credit that he deserves. And, and I think that, you know, he's not someone who's going to walk into a press conference and break down X's and O's with the journalists. And, and I don't think that, you know, my, my read on it is that journalists aren't going to get, or, or reporters aren't going to get the X. They're not going to be able to sit there and appreciate what the X's and O's mean in that press conference, but it's going to sound really smart to them. And right. so it's a way of like making an impression on them, I think. And that's sometimes what coaches do, I think, is they just want to, they, they want to make sure that the, the reporters know what they're talking about. And Brian doesn't feel like he needs to do that. And I, and I think there's something to be said for that. 
Um, but inside, I mean, what, what are film sessions like uh, for you guys? Yeah, Schmetz um, does a, a, a really good job of uh, pointing out a few things that really bothered him in the game. And, you know, he keeps it pretty minimal uh, and, and then Gonzo will take over. Um, but the, the main points, uh, Schmetz will take over. And I think him doing that and then also giving Gonzo the liberty to um, be more structured in, say, how we're going to play out of the back, for example, um, he, he does a really good job of, of balancing, you know, having assistant coaches take over the team, um, as well as, you know, Schmetz pointing out the, the main topics that he wants to get out of it, out of a, a video session. You mentioned Gonzo, who we're hearing his name starting to be mentioned more and more as a potential head coach. Uh, either he's been mentioned as a head coach in, in Mexico, he's been mentioned as a head coach more prominently uh, for a couple of the jobs that are that are now open around MLS. I mean, what do you think about his his head coaching prospects? Well, I think Gonzo has all the tools to to be a head coach. Um, you know, I think he he enjoys being here in Seattle. Uh, I think he he likes his role. I think eventually he'll take a, the next step. Uh, but you know, I don't see why he can't be successful. He's going to be successful. He's a a, a very a detail-oriented guy, um, you know, studies a lot of film, uh, you know, and, and it has been a player, right? He, he's gone through going to a World Cup and, you know, playing for the Mexican national team. He understands the ins and outs and, and what's going on in players' heads. So, um, you know, I expect him to, to make a, a jump. I don't know if it's now. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely raising some eyebrows and, and, you know, rightfully so, because he's done a really good job here. Uh, so uh, we'll just wait and see. I mean, uh, I, I don't know his his situation with the club, with his contract, but, um, you know, I see a, a very, very good future for, for Gonzo, um, whether it's here in the United States, Mexico, um, or, or, or somewhere else, honestly. Um, he's going to be a really success, a really good successful coach. You know, when you came into the league, it was it was kind of noted that that Gonzo took you. He was a you know in the last year of his his professional career, he kind of took you under his wing, or at least that was the way it was. It, it seemed on the outside, and and kind of uh, like made a point of of like coaching, like kind of being a player coach with you. It seemed like uh, how has your relationship with him evolved, and and how has that has any of that translated into the actual coach player relationship? I mean, yeah, I think, I think us having those conversations early on helped him. Um, I remember our, my first preseason with the club. I think I played only like 10 minutes uh, in one of the preseason games and uh, Gonzo and I were ro rooming together and, and he sits me down. We watched the last 10 minutes. I think it took almost like an hour, 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour to, to watch the, the, those 10 minutes that I played you know, critiquing or, you know, saying I did a good job here. And I think over time that that helped, you know, even being a broadcaster, being able to um, speak right in, in front of a team is very important, especially in a second language. Uh, so all the things that he's done, whether it's playing, whether it's uh, coaching while playing, uh, broadcasting, coming back, learning the, the language even more, 
um, he's done everything to to be successful as a as a assistant coach and possibly as a head coach. So one of the big tests I would imagine for for the coaching staff for you guys uh, is going to be coming up next week when you guys uh, play LAFC in the playoffs. Does that is that starting to feel like a real rivalry to you? You know, we have you know you obviously had the the big kind of moment last year uh, in the regular season where you and and Mark Anthony kind of got into it, and then that. I feel like kind of carried on into the playoffs where uh, you guys scored this big victory over them and you've had some great games this year. Um, but it seems like you guys are always playing close, high, hotly contested games. Is it like, does it feel like, Sorry, you Oh, no, I was going to say, does it, does it feel like a rivalry for you guys at this point? Oh, oh, certainly. Um, obviously not as, um, not as uh, potent as as our rivalry against Portland, uh, but you know, to to I've I've always said to to be the best rivalry, you need to have those two teams playing at a a very high level. You know, LAFC against LA Galaxy isn't fun to watch when LA Galaxy isn't doing well, and so when two teams are doing extremely well, it becomes some sort of a rivalry, right? I mean, you can say Toronto Seattle has been somewhat of a rivalry, although we haven't seen each other for a really long time. But I feel like this is becoming um, a rivalry with history, with games being played, uh, because they're meaningful games. Um, you know, playing in playoffs is is a different animal. And and having the games that we've played against LAFC is is really important to, to establish something like this. So it, it's becoming something, but... Uh, uh, certainly Portland is, is, is our, is our beast that we need to beat. So aside from them just being a good team, is there something though about LAFC that, that really clicks in terms of it being a, like starting to like where the temperature goes up and it's like, maybe it's just that they're a good team and you're a good team and you're on a, you know, a collision course, but it does feel like maybe there's something else there. Well, there's drama, right? I mean, with Schmetz and Bob Bradley, there's a little bit of drama there. And, you know, with every rivalry, you need a little bit of that. Uh, you need red cards, you need fouls, you need bad tackles, you need, you know, smack talking. And we saw a little bit of that against LAFC uh, in the playoffs last year where we were, on, we're we, a story, right? We were the underdog, underdog and, you know, those guys were supposed to beat us, uh, everybody riding us out. And so, you know, that, then that becomes a revenge match. Right. And then, you know, what, 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 what's going to happen. Right. And, and so the story continues and um, you know, it, I'm excited to be part of it um, and, and hopefully we can be on the right side of history. So one of the other uh, fun developments this year, I think has been your brother, Alex and his kind of coming into his own and, and kind of, you know, becoming a, a real contributor. He, he had been, he, he'd, he'd gotten minutes last year. He, he, he'd played his part, but I think this is the first year, at least to me, where he exudes a certain confidence where he is acting like, you know, when he's out on the field, it looks like he, it, it, he's not just playing like he belongs. He's carrying himself like he belongs. Um, and last year, you know, I remember at the end of the year, uh, the, the Sanders announced that they weren't picking up his, his option. And, and Garth had told us, like, we think Alex is probably going to try to come back. You know, that's clearly up to him. We, he's welcome to come back as a trialist. But what, was the, what were the conversations with you two like at the end of last year? 
And um, and it did seem like he came into this year's camp with a, with a kind of different attitude. Yeah, I mean, I think going through adversity certainly helped him in this case. Uh, you know, sometimes people or, or players can fold, uh, you know, say, hey, you know what? Uh, this ain't this isn't for me um, or I'll try in the USL or I'll try in another club. Um, but to come back uh, to a club that declined your options says a lot about who Alex is as a person, um, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to prove myself again if these guys are still doubting me. And, uh, you know, we had conversations in the offseason and, you know, he had been training as a right back at the end of season last year. Um, you know, just during playoff time. And, and I was telling Alex, you know, Saad just got his, his option declined as well. You know, we have one right back and that's Calvin. I think that if you come back as a right back, if you tell Schmetzer, you know what, I'm, I'm inclined to put in the work and re uh, or learn a different position that I can make the team and flourish and the, the characteristics that Alex has as a player is a really good passer, really good crosser of the ball, very composed on the ball. And, you know, right backs get a lot of the ball, you know? And, and so I Especially think Schmitz's system. Exactly. We're seeing a lot of his characteristics flourish because of the new position rather than having a guy on your back the whole time when you're playing right mid and have, and, and trying to be physical when his best attributes are the opposite, you know, it's just being on the ball. So, um, you know, I'm really happy for him and I think he's going to have a really bright future at right back. You know, I, I have to also imagine that you were hoping for him to come back if for no other reason that you might eventually get the chance to avenge your loss to him in your arm wrestling competition <laughs> from no Saudi or from Yachtcon. No, I'm not, I'm not beating him ever again. Uh, there's no <laughs> way I, I can't dude. This guy's just stronger than me in, in that case. But it's funny. We were kind of wrestling the other day at home and, you know, I was pushing him around with my body weight because I weigh 15 pounds, 10 pounds heavier than him. And I'm like, you can beat me at an arm wrestle match, you know, but I can just bully you around. There you go. Body, you know, and Big so brother, I'm, I'll never he'll he'll always beat me at an arm wrestle. But you can but you're saying that you if you guys get into the ring, you're well equipped to handle yourself. Is that oh, what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, anything else. That's probably the only thing he'll beat me at. So I, I have to imagine, though, it's worked out about as well as you could hope. I mean, I. I I'm sure every player has their own experience with this whole COVID situation and being, you know, I'm, you have players that are effectively isolated once they, they leave training. And then you have players who have families and friends and, but man, I mean, I would think you're pretty, you, you've got to be considering yourself pretty lucky to end up in the situation like this, where you're going to have to be home with someone to have your brother there with you. Cause you guys are still living together, right? Correct. Yeah. And he's paying you rent, I assume. <laughs> uh, he's living with me. Yeah, let's, okay. let's make that clear. Uh, I, I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better. Uh, he might be sick of me uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, we'll see. But uh, having each other around is, has been nice. You know, being able to drive with someone to, to practice and, you know, watch a movie at night, watch a game at night together. 
um, do dinner together is, is, is so nice. Um, you know, I can't imagine what, say, Brad Smith, you know, being away from his family, having to live by himself here, um, probably just playing video games all day is to, to someone, you know, and, and, and so uh, it, it's been, it's been such a nice, nice treat for us. What, I mean, do you guys talk about that much? I mean, what is that like, and that, not just for you and Alex, but like, what is it like for players in this situation where you're having to be so mindful of like staying healthy, like even yeah. more than normal, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you, if someone gets sick on our team, it's affecting absolutely everybody on our team and their loved ones. So you have to be extra cautious. You know, you, you I only leave the house to, um, to go to the grocery store, really. So um, being extra mindful and, and knowing that your actions will affect those around you and, and their loved ones is, is something uh, so important. And, you know, something that I think a lot of us should be doing anyway. And so, um, you know, a guy like Brad Smith is doing his part by staying alone. Um, but as well, you know, he's, he's probably so lonely. And, you know, we've talked about it. And, you know, he is lonely and, and, and he misses his family, but he's doing his part. You guys still doing Zoom calls with the whole team or anything? Or is that, did that kind of go away once the, the practices started up again? Yeah, that kind of went away, um, thankfully, because I was getting fed up with <laughs> workouts, uh, you know, body workouts, right? Uh, without, right. Um, but uh, it's good to, to see everybody in training and um, being able to, to deal with everything together rather than, you know, separate individually. No more quiz nights then is what you're saying. <laughs> no, that was nice. That was a, a nice change of pace. Um, but certainly no more, no more of those. Well, Christian, uh, I really appreciate you, you taking all the time. Uh, it's been good getting to catch up with you. Um, best of luck, uh, next week. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, we have a, a few more weeks of, uh, of soccer to be talking about. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me, my man. All right. You're listening to the Sounder Heart Podcast.